Hey everybody out there, welcome to another edition of the Gridiron Graduates. I'm your man Bill Rossetti, and the winner of the 2015 Miss Universe is Miss Columbia. Yay! Wait, let me check. The oh no, I made a mistake. Sorry, it was Miss Philippines. I'm sorry. <laughs> Joining me as always, poor Steve Harvey, he took a beating. Joining me as always, of course, is my good buddy, Mr. Ian Wharton, and that is not a mistake. That is 100% true and accurate, and always a pleasure to have him along. What's going on, bud? Not much, not much. I, I felt bad for poor Steve, um, although I feel like it might have been a, a rigged uh, event <laughs> and happening because, I mean, I don't know. I, I like Steve Harvey. I like the show, um, um, what's like, what's like Family Feud. Yeah. yeah, I like that show. I think he's really a funny dude. Um, oh, yeah, so, it was unfortunate, but uh, you know, it made some good drama and it made a lot of people talk about it. So, Boy, and then he got he got re-signed too. I think to do like the next two or three pageants. So he did, yeah. I think this is the most we've talked about the Miss Universe contest in God knows how long. <laughs> like I've never seen that contest get this much publicity. Exactly. Almost, exactly. I think in my entire life. I'll yep. say this though, in defense of Steve Harvey, like they they kind of like hung him out to dry a bit. You know, the fact that they let Miss Columbia parade around as the winner. And then he goes back on and was like, oh, no, it's Miss Philippines. You would think somebody in the back would have quickly rushed up to him and said, no, 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 no. Like, this isn't right. Like, you said the wrong name. Yeah, and I was listening on the radio. They were talking about it a little bit, and they were saying how, um, I guess, Steve always has – like the earbuds in and the earbud always t like they, they tell him yeah. so he doesn't have to like read the cue cards mm -hmm. um which is kind of weird why he wouldn't just read it anyways but um so i guess his like earpiece went out so Oof. i don't know but i mean we're still a pretty easy card to read so yeah it's a weird situation but it was crazy still felt, still felt a little bad for him yeah no that definitely but you know hey we live and we learn and you know much yep. respect to him for uh owning up to his mistake you know he didn't uh he didn't joke or anything about it. He didn't brush it off. He he full on took responsibility. So props to you, man. But enough about that. Let's actually talk some football here. Uh, definitely the first thing I, th I think we have to talk about has to be the Odell Beckham, Josh Norman uh, UFC fight <laughs> on Sunday. Uh, what a mess that game was, you know, not just Beckham and Norman, but Beckham going at it with, uh, Cortland Finnegan and the refs just letting that game get completely out of hand. And the best part was the report saying that, uh, Dean Blandino actually called down to those refs to say, Hey, you can eject some of these guys just so you know, like, don't be, don't be afraid to toss them. So that's a bad look on Terry McCauley. And then of course Odell Beckham gets the one game suspension. Josh Norman was fined twenty six grand, and the news dropping today that uh, Odell Beckham lost his appeal, so he will be suspended for Sunday's game against the Vikings. Hey, by the way, Ron Jaworski, good job reporting. Well done. That was uh, that, that was great. Uh, but yeah, just, so just an, a crazy line of events from that game. What was your take from that? Uh, it was really disgusting. Um, I'm a big Odell Beckham fan. I like Josh Norman. Um, 
I like what the Panthers do on defense. I, I like the swagger of their the cornerbacks. I, I totally get that. Um, but really on both sides, just a lot of unacceptable play. Um, you know, it just in general, just like the cheap shots, the hands to the face. Um, I, I know that football is not for the weak of heart. And, and I understand that, you know, testosterone filled, but, but at the end of the day, I mean, you're there to play football. And I, I just think that both sides, especially Beckham, but, um, yeah, I feel like both sides just went a little too, too far as far as, uh, uh the after play, um, contact, the, the one play where, where Beckham turned around, led with his helmet hit Norman in the helmet, whether or not he meant to hit him in the helmets, regardless, it's just, it's just dirty play. I mean, there's no, nowhere else to really, no way other to, to, to address it or to what, you know, to call it. Um, I really hope that, that we don't see that again from either side. And Beckham's been a guy where he's been kind of chippy like that in other parts of his career. Like that's not, it's new to that level, but he's been that type of player. Um, I think longer than most people realized. And that's not like the first time where he's been kind of immature and kind of um, just not really acceptable. So I, I wish that the, I believe the suspension was upheld, correct? Did I, did I see that? Correct? Yes. Yeah. I think, I think that was against Minnesota. Yeah. And I, I tweeted this during the game. I, I think that that was fair. I think he should have been ejected and I think, mm-hmm. I, I still think he should have been ejected and suspended a game. Um, which is, you know, it's heavy punishment. But look, I mean, we don't have any place for that. No one needs to get un- unnecessarily hurt. Um, injuries are part of the game, but not when you're forcing injuries to happen mm-hmm. or when you're playing to hurt somebody else. That's just, that's not, it's not, it's not what this league's about. Um, it's not what competition's about. Um, I was really just really disappointed in both both parties. Yeah, I mean, for one, Josh. Odell Beckham's lucky that Josh Norman didn't suffer a concussion in that game with some of the shots he took. And, I mean, I know it's been a few years ago, but, you know, of course, NFL had the Bounty Gate scandal not too long ago, so something like this. Uh, even a recent event, Concussion, the movie, comes out Friday. So if something would have happened to Josh Norman, then the NFL really would have looked bad. You know, it, things really would have gotten ugly. Um, and boy, can you imagine the backlash that would have happened if they reversed the suspension and let Beckham play? Oh my goodness! I. It's like oh, you could throw all of that public safety crap out the window. Oh yeah. You know, if the if they would have reversed the suspension, then the NFL could talk public or player safety till they're blue in the face, and no one's gonna believe it because we're gonna. We would just come back to them and say, well, you let Odell Beckham do what he did, and you didn't even suspend him. I mean, and and like you said, the referees in that game let that game get way out of control. You know, it took them forever just to finally flag Beckham for a personal foul, which was ridiculous, you know. I didn't get a chance to, you know, I saw a little bit of the game on Sunday, but even just watching a little bit of the game, just watching that matchup. And it's a shame, too, because, like, we wanted to see that matchup just because of how good these players were. Like, you know, going in, it's like, yeah, Beckham versus Norman. Like, what a great matchup this is going to be. You know, Norman shutting down number one receivers, Beckham just going nuts. And we do end up watching that matchup. 
but we ended up watching it for the wrong reason. Yeah. You know, all we kept noticing was, you know, Beckham going after Norm. And let's, I mean, Josh Norm's not innocent in this either, like like you mentioned. Like, he had some shots as well. Um, but Beckham is definitely more at fault. And, if, you know, of course, the story that, you know, Beckham apparently felt threatened because the Panthers supposedly brought a bat to the field or something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's silly. Yeah, even... It sounds like excuses. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. You know, like, if, if he felt threatened... Okay, that doesn't excuse what he did on the field. There's yeah. numerous other ways. three quarters later. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, there's no bets on the on the playing field at, at that point. So, and it's it's, it's interesting too because I went back and watched it on Coach's film, and I, I charted it, and I don't have the numbers here with me. Um, but from a coverage productivity standpoint, um, and for people that aren't familiar with that work, I, I chart cornerbacks um, every single route, every single man route that they face. Um, I see whether they win or lose that route at the uh, the critical points of the route, so most specifically when the ball should be going to them. And I chart wins and losses. And, I, you know, if you're interested in seeing more of that, um, you can definitely check out either my Twitter feed or draftcentric.weebly.com. I've got all the 2014 data I was able to get through on there. But So anyway, so I, I looked at that matchup, and, man, Odell Beckham was killing Norman. I mean, and I don't know if maybe that had part of something to do with it, where Beckham just, he had to drop, obviously, for the touchdown early. Um, so that was an issue. But there were times where Manning just wasn't either able to hit that part in his progressions, or he just didn't get the ball out in time uh, to get it out to, to Beckham. But, but Beckham was beating Norman pretty badly throughout the day. And uh, maybe that was part of his frustration, but but ultimately, like you said, I mean, there's just no place for it. Yeah. So, in, in the end, you know, good on the NFL for upholding the suspension, um, but good on Beckham too for apologizing. You know, it was kind of odd that he apologized twice. I mean, once would have been fine, but uh, you know, at least he, you know, owned up to his mistake. He, he knew he was in the wrong. Um, but as far as now on the field. This really hurts the Giants, obviously, you know, especially going to what's essentially a must-win game against the Vikings on Sunday night. You know, even with Beckham, this is still an erratic Giants team, especially on defense. You know, now they got to face Teddy Bridgewater in what's probably going to be a very cold game. You're talking, you know, outdoor stadium in Minnesota in prime time. So weather's probably going to be a factor. I mean, obviously, New York's a little bit used to the cold weather because, you know, it does get cold this time of year in New York. Although, right now, here in the Northeast, it's like, my goodness, this crazy weather. I mean, it's going to be in the 60s tomorrow. It's like, my goodness. But, um, yeah, so they're probably used to the cold a little bit. But without Beckham, that's a major drop-off, I think, for the Giants offense because now, obviously, Ruben Randall has to step up. Hakeem Nix is going to get his chance to shine again. I almost watching that game too. I almost forgot Hakeem Nix was back with the Giants. As crazy as that sounds, I was like, you know, you see a couple of throws to Nix. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Hakeem Nix resigned with the Giants. Yeah, I mean, that was that was kind of surprising when that happened. I'm kind of actually surprised that he was on the free agent market for so long, too. Like this was a guy not. I mean, I know he hasn't done much in the last couple of years, but like. It wasn't that long ago where he was like, you know, a, a regular player and 
uh, for the Giants. And I mean, I know he didn't do a ton with the Colts, but um, it's just really interesting to see how those those careers kind of arc sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll we'll definitely see how how the Giants fare now on Sunday night. Um, should be a should be quite interesting as they try to keep their maybe slim playoff hopes alive though because at this point they need a lot of help to uh, to get into the playoffs and we'll get to the playoff picture in a little bit but I want to move on to another subject uh, a little more positive I think this one is Charles Woodson announced his retirement this week um, after I think what is this his 18th season I believe in the league. I think so, yeah. Um, you know, and it, the, the timing is interesting, too, because the time he announces his retirement on the same week that the Raiders are preparing for their final home game of the season. So it'll be Woodson's final game in front of his home crowd and potentially the Raiders' final game in Oakland, period. Yeah. You know, which, and funnily enough, it's against the Chargers – the team they may be sharing a Los Angeles stadium with. Yeah. So uh, over under, God, you know they're going to be talking about that all th- all throughout the game. Oh, right. these two teams, match- long-time rivals, now they might share a stadium in 2016. What do you think about that? Well, you know they're going to talk that out the wazoo on uh, on Thursday night. And of course, you're, if you're listening tonight, you know, the game's tomorrow night. If you're listening on Thursday, game's tonight. And if you're listening after Thursday, well, the game's already happened. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, man. I mean, Woodson's Woodson's one of those guys for me. Like, I'm not one of those. Like, I don't have a lot of like favorite players. I don't have like a lot of dudes that like I really enjoy watching. I mean, I, I like watching every player play mm-hmm. um, in a sense, but like, there's not a lot of guys where like I could just sit down and watch all day and just be like in awe of what they do. And Charles Woodson for me. Um, is one of those guys. He's he's a big reason why um, he and among a few others, a big reason why I love defensive back play, because the guys that play the position as well as people like he do, uh, they're rare. They're rare impact players. Um, it's incredible what he's accomplished throughout his career. Which as an Ohio State guy, saying that about a Michigan guy, um, you know, it's it's not ideal. I wish I sure wish he was a Buckeye. Um, so I, I'd like him even more, but. Um, yeah, he is, he's one of my favorite players and I, I'm sad to see him retire already. I, uh, I was hoping he'd be able to play a couple more years physically. He could do it. He could do it. He was still a top seven safety in the NFL. Um, you know, I like to, to joke about him, him being just an immortal. He's just a God amongst men at, at his age to be able to play as well as he does and accomplish the things on the field that he's able to do. Um, just incredible. And, um, you know, it, it's sad to see him go. Um, long career, long career, successful everywhere he went. Extremely successful after the age of 30. I think uh, two thirds of his career interceptions came after he hit 30 years old. Um, which, I mean, <laughs> that's it is a first ballot Hall of Famer. So, yes, um, really happy I got to watch him. Really looking forward to uh, to seeing what Oakland does next to to try to replace him. Um, obviously you're not really replacing a guy like that, but, um, it's a shame that we won't be able to see him, um, you know, any further, but, but, but I'm, I'm going to be watching this week. That's for sure. Uh, I'm definitely 
Definitely going to want to watch him face off against another great free safety on the other side of the field, Eric Weddle, who's probably in the same same boat, probably his last game uh, with San Diego. So uh, maybe a whole lot of last games for, for, for very interesting angles this week in that matchup. Yeah, emotions are probably going to be running very high, uh, similar to what we saw last week when the Chargers hosted Miami, you know, Eric Weddle laying at midfield right on the Chargers logo, kind of soaking it all in, you know, so it just kind of shows how much these cities mean to these players. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we'll see if something like like that happens tomorrow in Oakland. So, yeah, a lot of storylines for this uh, final Thursday game of the season. But yeah, Woodson, you know, we when we get, when we as fans get into watching this sport we always look at you know some of us like to look at the history of of the game and you know see some of the players that made the game what it is today and appreciate what they did um but it's always nice to actually watch a player you know watch a player be great and watch him be so good at what he does as he's doing it and kind of like grow with him and get to follow his career as it's following on. So, you know, it was real fun to watch Charles Woodson as a player, you know, first as a corner. And then of course, you know, he made the, you know, the whole, you know, old, when cornerbacks get old, they turn into safeties. That's when, you know, they can't play anymore. Well, Woodson kind of proved that wrong. You know, he made the switch to safety and he was still a very, very good player. Um, and at least for him, he kind of, you know, it was nice for him to kind of get get to go back home, as it were. You know, started in Oakland, went to Green Bay, gets to finish his career in Oakland. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. He's definitely a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, and watching the game tomorrow is going to be uh, very fun to watch, for sure, to see, you know, just to see how Oakland honors him. Uh, in his final game. Um, let's move on. Um, I want to talk, and we've you know we've talked about this team many times, um, but the chances that this is going to happen are starting to get better and better. I, you know, I figured we'll talk about this quick, and then move on to the playoff picture. You know, going back to the Carolina Panthers, they did, you know, a miss. Despite all the hoopla with Beckham and Norman, they did defeat the New York Giants 38-35 and are now 14-0 and are essentially one win away from the number one seed in the NFC. They take on the Falcons this week and then they've got the Buccaneers. You know they're going to play their starters this week because they're still playing for something. The question is if they get to 15-0 and lock up the number one seed, do they play their starters in uh, in week 17 against the Buccaneers. So overall, will they finish 16 and 0? Can they do it? Well, I mean, their schedule's favoring it, and I I think Jameis and the Buccaneers. I wouldn't be surprised if they do if they can pull the upset week 17. Um, but boy, it's it's hard to pick against this Panthers team. Um, and they're just they're playing such good football and and I, I don't want to take much away from what they've done. What they've done is extremely impressive. What they've done is um, obviously incredibly rare, 
um, even if they were to lose one of these last two weeks, still a, still an incredible regular season. But, you know, they have faced a lot of bad teams this year. Um, they face the AFC South, the NFC East, and then, of course, their own division, uh, the NFC South. So a lot of bad teams on their schedule, and credit them for taking advantage. They've won some some close games as well. I, as good as their regular season is, man, I just I don't think this is the best team even in the NFC. I think the Arizona Cardinals are. I agree. And 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 maybe that's just because the Cardinals are so good. Maybe that's why I say that. But it wouldn't surprise me to see the uh, Panthers do well in the playoffs. But by the way, don't sleep on the Seattle Seahawks. I know that we'll get to them here in a little bit, but. As I look around the NFC landscape, I look at the Panthers and I'm saying, yeah, I'm impressed. But am I sold on them? No, not when I'm looking at uh, not when I'm looking at the um, at the competition in the in the conference. Yeah, and I I totally agree with that. Like I I do think they can get to 16 and 0, but I've said it many times, and until I'm proven wrong, I'm going to keep saying this. I don't know if the way they are playing is going to hold up in the playoffs, you know, especially if they run into a team like Arizona or even a Seattle earlier in the playoffs. You know, it's uh, there's going to be a lot of good teams in the NFC playoffs, uh, minus the NFC's champion, but um, there's so it's not going to be a walk in the park for the Panthers, you know, even with home field advantage. It's still going to be a tough road for them. Uh, to get to the Super Bowl, but I do think they can get to 16-0, and 0, and then it's just a matter of, you know, getting that rest during Wild Card Week, and then we'll see who they draw in the divisional round. Uh, by the way, wow, Northern Illinois got smoked. Did you see that score? No, no, I didn't. What was the Goodness. score of that one? Boise State 55, Northern Illinois 7. Oh, my goodness. Yikes. Yeah, these bowl games. I mean, they, I think they've been. I haven't. I actually haven't caught any of them, unfortunately yet. I'm uh, downloading a lot of them to a hard drive now, and uh, as they go on, since I'm been a little busy, and like the the timing of these bowl, bowl games is weird. I, I hadn't realized that there's actually like bowl games every weeknight, which is weird. So, um, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. I mean, it's a good thing. Um, yeah. It just hasn't been good for my schedule personally. <laughs> um, but no, I've I've, I've got this uh, Bowling Green game on right now against uh where they face in Georgia Southern. Southern. So yeah, it's kind of an interesting matchup. Yeah. Yeah, because I was just checking on Instagram here and you know that's what came up from CBS Sports and then the stat here, six hundred fifty four yards of offense. My Oof. goodness. That's just a beat down. Yes. Wow. As uh as Kirk Herbstreet used to say in NCAA football, padding stats and running up the score. That's there you go. Yep. No doubt about it. Uh, boy, that was a fun game series. I, I still love NCAA 06 and NCAA 11, the one with uh, Tim Tebow on the cover. So those are always fun, especially when you uh, download the rosters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I kept my Xbox 360 just for uh, NCAA 14, which I still play on, on occasion. When I do play games, I, uh, I try to play that as much as I can. I love that game. Yeah, it was, it was definitely, a, uh, definitely a real good series. And I have to say, too, like... I got you, I caught a little bit of my favorite bowl game, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. <laughs> I just love watching the Smurf turf. It's just so cool. 
If you like that one, have you seen the uh, red turf that Eastern Washington has? Yes. That's Isn't that crazy? Nice that... It's, I don't know if I'd say nice. Like, I like it, but, it, man, it kind of hurts the eyes. It's it's different for sure, but yeah, that uh, it's interesting to say for sure, you know. That, hey, whatever works though, I guess. But yeah, so okay, let's move on now to the uh, to the playoff picture with two weeks to go. God, I just can't believe we're saying this. Yeah, seems seems just two unbelievable. Weeks to go. Yeah. In the regular season, it's already week sixteen. Uh, we'll start in the NFC. You know, we were just kind of talking about the NFC, so we'll continue there. So obviously, Carolina number one right now at fourteen and zero. Cardinals second at twelve and two. Then you've got the Packers leading the North at ten and four. Redskins lead the East at seven and seven. Seahawks currently the five seed at nine and five, and the Vikings holding down the six seed at nine and five. The only team right now that can catch. Minnesota in the wild card is Atlanta, and they need a lot of help. They need, yep. they need to win out. They need Minnesota to lose out, and they need Seattle to lose out. Because Yep, that's not happening. <laughs> no, it is not, especially with the fact that uh, Seattle plays St. Louis this week. Yeah, there's just um, too, much, too much they need. Um, yeah. And, I mean, just too big of a talent difference, too, between those teams. Yeah, because I think I'm trying to. Remember, did the Falcons play the Vikings this year or no? Um, I don't believe they. I can't remember did. offhand, but I know the only way. Um, yeah, because the only way Atlanta can get in is they need a three-way tie actually, with the Vikings and Seahawks, because then Atlanta would actually be the five seed in that scenario, I believe. Um, I'm actually on uh, the ESPN playoff machine as we speak i love this thing though it's so fun and i'm going to uh just play around with it right quick just to see because yeah, i'm, I'm on this like all the time it's like so fun to kind of play around and and the, and the interesting part with the nfc wild uh, wild card picture and um really the only position that isn't locked in is the vikings and packers yeah so they play week 17 at lambeau field if the Packers lose this week um, and the Vikings win, then all the marbles are on the table. Um, actually, I don't well, think... actually, I think it is either way. Yeah, it is actually. Yeah, actually, way. as long as Minnesota beats Minnesota's the Giants this week, yeah, that game in Week 17 will be for the North title. Yeah, that's they, right. So. Even if they tie at 11 and five, like say they both win this week and then Minnesota beats Green Bay. Minnesota would beat Green Bay on division record, so that's right. So this is this will be really interesting. Um, in general, Week 17 is going to be a very low key week, unless if mm -hmm. some really crazy stuff happens this week. Yeah, just um, possible. But you know, if everything goes according to plan, Week 17 may be pretty quiet for the draft picture. Um, but that may be the big game. That might be the big game the next week, and obviously, that's going to greatly affect uh, home field advantage. Absolutely. Um, and then, of course, the in the NFC East, you know, obviously Washington leads. They can clinch the East with a win over the Eagles. The Eagles need um, the Eagles need to win out. Win out, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, they have to win both. Well, they could beat the Redskins and then lose to the Giants, but then they'd also need the Redskins to lose to the Cowboys because then that would create a three-way tie for the NFC. The easy way for the Eagles to get into the playoffs would be winning both of their final games. And the Giants, you know, we kind of mentioned this before, they're still alive for the division, but they have to win out and they need the Redskins to lose out, which means they need the insert quarterback here led Dallas Cowboys to beat Washington in week 17. Good luck with that. It's possible, but yeah, hard to have any faith in that happening. Yeah. Especially Washington's playing some good football right now. They are. You know, as, as crazy as that sounds, you know, it's hard to believe we're talking about them like this, but yeah, they've now that they have stability at quarterback with Kirk Cousins, yep. they're, they're playing pretty decent. You know, sitting at 7-7, seven and seven, chance to win the division. It's like, who just saw that coming? It's going to be funny, too, when the uh, Redskins give Kirk Cousins like $40 million guaranteed this offseason. <laughs> oh, typical Washington. Just... And it's, it's tough, tough time for them, too, because it's one of those things where it's like he's clearly better than what they've had in the last, mm-hmm. like, even, like, decade and a half or so besides Robert Griffin's 2012 season. Like, he's been their best quarterback yeah. in that time frame. But, I mean, it's still with a he's still very limited. And the issue is that he's doing that with a great surrounding cast. Like their running game isn't very good right now. Um, it's almost non-existent some weeks, but they still have three quality receivers in Deshaun Jackson, Jordan Reed and Pierre Garcon. And they even have a couple other guys outside of those three. Um, so, I mean, you know, end of the day, I think that Jay Gruden's done a great job. Yes. Kirk cousins has done a nice job of improving. He's not making those backbreaking plays. But he's just another Alex Smith. And that's what it really boils down to. I, I would not be investing into him. I, I would maybe franchise tag him, draft a replacement, and then at the end of 2016, I think that's where you just kind of let Kirk Cousins go because he's not the guy He's not the guy you're going to win a Super Bowl with. And that's what it really boils down to. I mean, I'm, I'm not the biggest Kirk Cousins guy, admittedly, and I wasn't out of college. Uh, but to me, he's still that same guy. He's just now hitting, like, his peak. Um, of what he can be, and that's good enough to win against bad teams, but it's not good enough to win against, you know, playoff teams. Yeah, which is why whoever wins that NFC East is in big trouble, because in all likelihood they're going to host Seattle in yeah. their first game, so... They'll get, they'll get stomped. Yes. Yeah. That's no matter be. who it is. Yeah. <laughs> and you know that's probably going to be the Saturday night game, because hashtag NFC East. Yeah, they they love putting those East teams in prime time, so that'll it's probably good. be it'll be an ugly Saturday night game, but oh yeah, that's what it is. Um, yeah, so it's probably gonna end up Carolina gets the one, Arizona the two, Green Bay, Washington, Seattle, Minnesota. So you know, essentially, what it is now is probably what what it's gonna be. So you know, not a whole lot of drama uh, in these final two weeks, unless of course something crazy happens which is still possible but you know we'll see switching gears to the afc also not a whole lot of drama you know that's so in in a way it kind of makes the rest of this nfl season i don't want to say boring but you know a little anticlimactic yeah a lot of a lot of spots are already kind of set 
New England. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. It's like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> um, New England, the top seed right now, twelve and two. If they beat the Jets, they are the number one seed. Cincinnati at eleven and three. You know, AJ McCarron played pretty decent against San Francisco, so we'll see how they do this week against the team right behind them, Denver, the reeling Denver Broncos after their blown win over Pittsburgh. But Denver still leads the the West at ten and four, and then Houston, the Brandon Whedon led Houston Texans with the come from behind victory on Sunday to beat the Colts and take control of the AFC South. They they are the four seed right now at 7 and 7. Wild cards right now are the Chiefs at 9 and 5 and the Steelers at 9 and 5. The only team outside of those two that can catch a wild card would be the Jets. They need to essentially win out, which means they have to beat the Patriots. Good luck with that. And they're going to need one of Pittsburgh or Kansas City to lose one of their final two games. Well, Pittsburgh closes with Cleveland and Baltimore, or Baltimore and Cleveland. Kansas City closes with Cleveland and Oakland. It's not looking good for the Jets. No, no, and it's it's possible, and it's, and it's actually a shame because they're a good team, and uh, you know what they've been able to accomplish this year. First year head coach um, and Todd Bowles, who I'm a big fan of. Um, it is nothing to sneeze at. It's nothing to sneeze at. Ah, but they just they're they need a lot of help, and yeah. it's hard to when you face a good division like the AFC East. You know you've got to be on your game, and you've got to steal some divisional games because that's what happens for teams like Pittsburgh. Is they're able to steal two games, and actually they've been able to steal four games this year. So you're fighting an uphill battle there. You're fighting a a battle where you know they're basically gifted three or four wins against teams like the Browns and Ravens, um, and and you're facing and you know the Jets only can count on basically one or two wins. They usually split a game with the Bills and they usually split the game with the Dolphins. They were able to get two from the Dolphins this year, um, and then they play the Bills again. So I mean you know maybe that ends up working out that way, but it's a little bit different um, for them and and obviously the Patriots looming. That's going to be a tough game. Even if the Patriots aren't the same team that they were uh, a couple months ago because of injuries, it's still a tough team. Mm-hmm. still a team that I'm not going to want to face. And so, you know, they've got a chance. They've got a chance. They're a good team. Again, it wouldn't be shocking to me. It's just hard with two weeks to go to need help to reach the playoffs far, far from ideal. Mm-hmm. And then over in the AFC South... It is just like the NFC East. The South is actually still a three-horse race, as crazy as it sounds. The Jacksonville Jaguars are still mathematically alive. It's unbelievable. It, <laughs> it, it is. It's, it's most teams. Because most teams are out by now. I mean, there's not many teams left um, in this race on each side. I think it's um, just looking at my, my. I think it's nine and nine on each side now. Yeah, yeah. Just looking at my Bleacher Report here. Um, nifty little graphic there's really just three teams in the hunt mm-hmm. and that's it and i mean like you said the jaguars and giants can almost be ruled out at this point yeah um and the eagles and colts are just divisional teams yep. and falcons are a very very long shot so realistically you're talking um the colts for their division the eagles and giants for their division and the jets only one team really fighting for the wild card at this point so yep. it's a very unique position to to be in this time of year 
But yeah, just imagine if the Jaguars actually sneak into the playoffs at seven and nine. Can you imagine the uh, reaction to that? Um, and I think I kind of figured it out. They obviously have to win out because they're two games back with two to play. So obviously they have to win out. Now, lucky for them, they do play Houston in week 17. So they will need. So that that helps them a little bit. You know, they, they could take care of their business there. But this week, obviously, they need to beat New Orleans, which is possible because Drew Brees is injured. They have to beat New Orleans. But they need Houston to somehow lose to Tennessee, who, by the way, will not have Marcus Mariota this week. And they also need the Colts to lose to Tennessee in Week 17. So it's it's possible, but I certainly wouldn't bet on it. Yeah, yeah, it's tough to be tough to be overly confident there. Yeah, so you know, like you said, you know, outside the teams that are currently that are the current 12 playoff teams, realistically, you're really only looking at Philadelphia, Indianapolis, and then maybe the two New York teams. And even Indy, in that sense, they need some help too, because now Houston, you know, Houston's obviously in control now with the division record. You know, because... If Houston wins, they are they've just about clinched the division. You know, they they can't completely clinch with just a win. They do need a little bit of help this, if they want to clinch this week. Um, and I believe I know one of the scenarios involves um, involves them clinching the uh, strength of victory over this, the um, the Colts. Which, you know, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I think they can do it if Cincy wins and if something like New Orleans wins or Pittsburgh wins or Baltimore or something like that. You know, it's like some combination of teams winning to uh, to help the Texans. Um, they can certainly also they can certainly also get in if, um, you know, the Colts lose and the Colts are at Miami this week. So, lots of because I'm you know, I'm trying to bring up the scenarios right now, just to uh, just to kind of see where we're at as far as like you know what um what the Colts or, or excuse me what the um what the Texans need to uh, clinch strength of victory. You know, I'm sorry for the uh. For listeners out there, I'm sorry for the uh, the stuttering. Or the yeah, no, yeah, you're good. So it's uh, that, that was an ugly game last this. week um, between the Colts and the and the uh, Texans, and it, it's it's going to be like the NFC matchup, like you mentioned for the NFC East. The AFC South is just so bad. Um, it's going to be one of those games where, or it's going to be one of those those situations where like they're going to get into the playoffs, and literally. It's gonna. It's probably gonna be just one of the ugliest games you can imagine um, for a playoff game, unfortunately. And uh, you know, I guess we'll see what the matchup ends up being, because um, obviously the seeding is still up in the air. But um, that's not going to be an attractive game. And, and quite frankly, unless if Andrew Luck comes back, um, 
and, and the Colts end up making it into the playoffs, it's not going to be a game that I'm going to even really want to watch. Uh, so looking at what we think is going to happen in the AFC, you know, I think it's safe to say we both think New England gets the one seed. Yeah. Yeah. The Cincy-Denver game though this week is obviously very huge. Um, the Bengals can clinch a first-round bye if they win. Denver would be in control for the two seed, but they would not completely clinch yet. Because mm. um, they can actually still be caught by Kansas City for the West. Um, I think Cincinnati beats Denver this week because I think Denver's going to be reeling a bit after last week. You know, and Osweiler's struggling. So I think the Bengals can win, um, get the two seed, and then I think Kansas City wins their final two games and wins the AFC West and gets the three seed and faces Denver in the wild card round while Pittsburgh would go to Houston. Oh, wow. That's how I see the uh, AFC playoffs shaping up right now. It'd be kind of funny if uh, Houston and, and Denver end up playing and Denver ends up playing Peyton Manning, which I think is the right move, by the way. If he's healthy, I think Peyton Manning's the guy that, that should be playing. Yeah. Um, Brock Osweiler just hasn't done anything to impress me. And... Uh, but it'd be kind of funny because there were there was word before the season that um, Houston was possibly looking into trading for Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. and that uh, would just kind of be a little funny story. Because I know that that way back when when he had hit the free agency yep. market, that Houston was a team he was interested in, and then they were like, "No, we're not, we're not interested. We're happy with Matt Schaub." So losing mm-hmm. franchise decision. Yep, because then, of course, Denver goes on a roll the first couple seasons with Peyton. Houston, yeesh. Was that yeah. the season? That was the season Houston earned the number one pick, I believe, too, wasn't it? Um, After he went there? That was, because that was the 2012 season. And then, No, no, because they had the... Uh, oh, Clown was 2014 drafted, so it was yeah. 2013. That's right, I'm sorry. Yep. Um, so, but yeah, but still though, I mean, it would have changed the course of the franchise for yeah. sure. So uh, it's one of those things where, you know, you had the chance to get, and I understand because, you know, end of the day, um, no one knew, no one knew what he was coming off that that surgery. Yeah. Um. So you know that that changes everything. It really does. Mm-hmm. But hey, you know, it's still pretty crazy because. Neither. I think we both had Houston pegged around eight and eight, so record-wise, they're kind of around where we expected them to be. Yep. We obviously just didn't think they'd be sitting here, likely now as division champions. At, yep. You know, and I, I do think they win out, so I think they get to nine and seven. At least, I don't think we'll see a losing record in the playoffs. You know, and I know people were worried about that, but I do think the worst record we'll see in the playoffs is eight and eight. Yeah, because I think Houston wins out to get to nine and seven, and I actually think Washington wins out to get to nine and seven. So I think nine and seven will actually be the worst record. Um, yeah, it's looking that way. Um, we've seen, like you said, a little bit of a recent surge here in quality of play, which is actually really nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. We don't want bad teams in the playoffs. Yeah, no, it, it's going to be nice to not have to talk again about you know oh a winning record 
or losing record in the playoffs, and then everyone will be up in arms, you know, wanting the playoffs structure to uh, to change. It's like no, the, I mean, the system's fine the way it is, you know, as far as like how they see the teams. Like you know, you should be re- rewarded a bit for winning your division. Like, you know, does it suck when a losing record wins the division and gets into the playoffs? Yeah, but you know, it's bound to happen. Right. You know, unfortunately. When, yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but I mean it's it's bound to happen. Like yeah, it's you know we've seen an uptick of it in recent history. You know we saw, you know it happened in 2010, and then with the Seahawks, and then of course last year with the Bengals. You know, and I'm trying to think if it happened sometime in between, but I I, I definitely remember those two. Only only negative part I think that happens is when. Let's say the Giant or the Jets, Steelers, and Chiefs all go eleven and five. Mm-hmm. It is kind of unfortunate that a team would miss that. Uh, but you're right. Yeah, that that's the downside of that too. Like a bad record getting in is going to push a good record out because it's very possible that an eleven win Jets team is going to miss the playoffs. I think we're likely going to see a ten win team again missed the playoffs like we saw last season with the Eagles. Um, but it's definitely very rare and certainly very unfortunate for an 11-win team to uh, to miss the playoffs. But again, that's just the nature of the beast. You know, we... You know, it happens. We roll with it. Personally, I, I'm still in favor, though, of expanding the playoffs to 14. You know, there hasn't been much talk about that recently, but um, when there was talk about it, I was in favor of it. Hmm. You know, I'd have been fine with, you know, only giving the top seed a first round by, because then that adds even more value to it. You know, instead of just playing for, say, the two seed and a first round by now, if you actually want to fight for that one seed, because, you know, if, if you only get the second seed, you're now you'd be playing now on that first weekend against the seventh seed. And I mean, in the AFC, obviously it'd be good. You know, you'd have the jets make the playoffs NFC. Of course, if there were seven playoff teams right now, you'd be looking at seven and seven Atlanta as the right. seventh seed. Right. Having to go to Arizona. But, you know, even still like even, I even did a little research into that, you know, before the 2014 season, actually, looking at my notes on my iPad. <laughs> um, you know, so so this wasn't counting, like, the 2014 season when I did this research, but I researched, like, what the records of the seven seeds would have been since um, realignment in 2002. And I came up with the one 11-5 team, which was the Patriots, in uh, 2008. The year, of course, Tom Brady got injured. Six teams, you would have had six teams at 10 and 6 would have made the playoffs as a 7 seed. 11 teams at 9 and 7, and six teams at 8 and 8. And that would have been the worst record. Even, you know, even going back to realignment, even if we had had seven playoff teams in each conference all those years, we still wouldn't have had a 7 and 9 wildcard team. Jeez. You know, and I'm, I don't know offhand what the seven seeds would have been last. I think Philly would have been seventh last year, ten and six. 
AFC, I can't remember, but I'm I'm gonna say they were probably it was probably like either eight and eight or nine and seven. So it's definitely a lot to consider for the competition committee. Um, you, you know, again, on, on one hand, I I like the divisional play. I like that that rewards teams. There's obviously the history of it, but yeah, it really does stink when you're you're losing out on a good team to mm-hmm. to a, a worse team, especially one where it's going to make that one game potentially un- unwatchable. Yeah. So. Um. But whole, it, like you said, it doesn't happen too much. So, it's but just, who knows? It's also it, they could also be the team that goes on that run. I mean, you look at those two yeah. losing records that got in. Seattle, of course, had the big upset in New Orleans, uh, including, of course, the uh, Marshawn Lynch run. You know, I'm sure think, we all know what. Think he's, still, think he's still running and causing uh, earthquakes. Yeah, I think he's still he's still carrying that Saints team. Yep. <laughs> yep. Still breaking those tackles. And I could I could still picture uh, what's his name, the guy that used to do all the Notre Dame games, with his call. Uh, when he was calling that uh, Marshawn Lynch run. Um, but then of course, obviously, people were in an upheaval that they got to host the playoff game. But hey, again, that's what happens. You know, seven to nine team hosting a uh, an eleven and five team. Um, and then, of course, last year with the Panthers. Now, obviously, the Panthers got a bit of an easy draw, too, because they faced a Cardinals team that was down to their third quarterback. Yeah. So they got a bit lucky there. You know, if, uh, well, if Palmer didn't get hurt, Arizona, I don't even think, even plays in that wild card game. They probably would have won the division. But then Carolina probably would have, and Carolina probably would have played Seattle um, in that first game. So, but, you know, things ha- that's how things go, I guess. And I guess the thing they'd have to consider, too, if they want to expand the playoffs would be... I mean, obviously, they'd be doing it for the money because they know they can eke out a lot more money with two extra playoff games. And then it'd be a matter of how do you schedule the six playoff games. I mean, for me, it's pretty easy. You play three games on Saturday and you play three games on Sunday. Easy. And then... Yeah, and that would make sense. Yeah, you could, you could have... You know, similar to like the regular season's, similar to the regular season schedule, you could have a game at one o'clock, a game at say four thirty, and a game at eight on Saturday and Sunday. You know, so that that wouldn't be too much of a problem. You know, so nothing wrong with an extra prime time playoff game. No, and you can make like a whole weekend event, which is actually kind of a cool idea. Yeah. Um, where you where you own the whole weekend, especially with college football gone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. You start at one o'clock, four o'clock, then you have like a seven o'clock game on both days. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think that I think that actually be a pretty good idea. Well, we'll see if the NFL ever uh, comes back around to it, and if they ever come back around to the uh, eighteen game schedule. But you know, obviously, that's a discussion for later on in the future oh yeah um yeah so that was the talk about the playoff picture um i guess we'll kind of flip the script a little bit and we'll go to the uh, other end of the spectrum and we'll talk about the race for the the pick and draft which at this point has turned into a two-horse race between the titans and the browns the only team sitting at three and eleven and then you've got four teams at 4-10, and ten, the Ravens, the Chargers, 
Cowboys, and the 49ers. So those are likely the six teams that are uh, that are in play for uh, for that number one pick. Because you know Jacksonville might still be alive if they lose out, but they would also need you know Tennessee to win out and Cleveland win out. So you know that's obviously not going to happen. Um, so we'll focus on the two three-win teams, the Titans and the Browns. Titans, we mentioned they have um, Houston this week, and they've got Indy to close. The Browns, they've got Kansas City, and they've got Pittsburgh. So it's looking like they're both going to lose their last two games. Tennessee right now has a big lead as far as strength of schedule goes. So the Titans are in the are in pretty good shape to get that number one pick in the draft. Um, I guess I'll ask, who would you say, you know, looking at the race, like how do you expect it to play out, and who do you think would need that number one pick more, Tennessee or Cleveland? I think it plays out, um, you know, as far as, you know, losses and stuff, I think both teams probably lose out. Um, I don't see them, either team, picking up a W here to close out the season. So then it comes down to you know strength of schedule and such. Um, it, as far as who needs it more, I think the Browns need it more. Um, just in terms of where that franchise is. Um, Tennessee has a little bit more positivity. You know, they're going to be looking for a new coach. I think the Browns end up sticking with what they've got. And I don't think that they're going to be looking for a quarterback right away. I could be wrong on that. And maybe they'll end up going with, you know, Lynch or Goff or, or Cook. <sighs> Excuse me. And, um, you know, if that's the case, then, then that, that maybe changes the story a little bit. Um, but I, I think maybe they should give, and as much as I like Jared Goff especially, um, I think they should probably give Manziel the offseason. And if he doesn't mess up, um, enter 2016 with him as a starter and see what they've got with him. And then, you know, then reevaluate the position. Um, I think, I think Goff's going to be an above average quarterback, which to me is well worth the number one quarterback, uh, number one pick in the draft. But, um, if I'm the, if I'm the Browns, I'm probably doing the plan I was talking about where you're taking, um, Joey Bosa actually number one or number two. And the reason why I think the Browns could use the number one pick more is that you want to ensure that you're getting Bosa if I'm the Browns. Because the Titans may take Tunsil, but they also can definitely use a guy like Joey Bosa. And we know that they're not going to take a quarterback. So it just kind of depends where the Browns want to go. I mean, if the Browns want to take a quarterback, um, they might have to worry about a team jumping them uh, to go to number one if, if they really want, if someone else wants a quarterback. Um, you know, some people talk about, well, there's not a quarterback worth it this year. I, I call baloney on that. I don't agree with that. Um, I, I'm not a top five, top ten guy for Paxton Lynch, but I am a fan of Paxton Lynch. And and ultimately, if you see a guy that can be an above-average quarterback in the next five to six years, I mean, th th that's worth a top five pick. It's very difficult to find those type of players. So um, if I'm the Browns, I, I do whatever it takes to get that number one pick. Even if you trade it, even if you use it, that's a franchise that really needs the positivity like I said before, the, the, the Titans have Marcus Mariota, so they have some shred of positivity. They have a new coach that's going to be coming in for sure. 
Um, so there's there's optimism there. There's reason for, for hope for things to get better. The Browns are not that way. The Browns don't really have that, that hope of optimism around the team, and, and I think that they need that. I think the number one pick is the, is the path to really improving. Yeah, I mean, going back to what you said about the quarterbacks, you know, we, we just saw that with Jacksonville, you know. I don't think a lot of people felt Blake Bortles was worth the third overall pick, but clearly Jacksonville did, and, you know, so far it's been working out okay for them. So, you know, they kind of have the last laugh so far, uh, almost two seasons into the project. Um, but, yeah, if, uh, you know, if Tennessee gets that number one pick, there's certainly a couple of ways they can go. You know, Tonsil to improve the offensive line. Bosa next to Jarrell Casey would make a pretty nice defensive line. Uh, Bosa next to Danny Shelton would be a very nice D-line there in Cleveland, too. So yeah. uh, I'd be very curious which way they go. Uh, but, yeah, ten- Cleveland at this point is probably going to need Tennessee to somehow win one of their last two games to get the number one pick. Because, like I said, it looks like you know there's a huge gap right now as far as strength of schedule goes between the two teams. Um, even if Tennessee and Cleveland both win a game, I think Tennessee is still in good shape because then the four teams after them are even higher uh, in strength of schedule than Tennessee. So Tennessee's in pretty good position right now to get that top pick and uh, you know see what they can do with it. By the way, your uh, Dolphins right now sit at number eight in the pecking order. Yeah, yeah, I know there's a chance they can get to the top five. Um, you know, I hope they make it there so that they can, you know, have a chance to get Joey Bosa. Um, if there's any chance they can get Joey Bosa, I would be absolutely thrilled. But I think even if they're in like that six to eight range, I think they'll still get a pretty good player, especially at the linebacker position, which would be tremendous. Yeah, just kind of run through right now. The top ten right now would be uh, Tennessee, Cleveland, Baltimore, San Diego, Dallas, San Francisco, Jacksonville, Miami, New Orleans, Detroit. Detroit would be 10. And then it would, it would be Chicago, Tampa Bay, the New York Giants, Indianapolis, Oakland, Philadelphia, Buffalo, St. Louis, Atlanta, and the Jets. Um, and another, another showing of... You know, this is kind of the downside, too, of all this mediocrity for some of these teams. You have some of these teams with bad records, and they're still middle of the draft order right now. I mean, looking at the Rams, 6-8. and eight. 18th pick right now at 6-8. and eight. Wow. You know, usually a team's like 8-8, eight and eight, maybe even 9-7 and seven sometimes, sitting in like that 16-19 to 19 range. But right now, you've got... You know, Philly, Buffalo, and St. Louis, 16, 17, and 18, they're at 6 and 8. So, it's like, wow. Yeah, I mean, and it's and it's kind of like the NFL picture this year. I mean, it took around 14 weeks for teams to really start getting eliminated from the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then a vast majority of teams were just eliminated this past week. Yeah. Um, and one fell swoop. I mean... There's a small handful of really good teams in the NFL, um, and the rest of teams are just kind of like average to to below average. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, 
you know, it, it's just kind of a sad state of the NFL. I mean, it's been a it's been a rough season, honestly. I think as far as like the product. Um, yeah. But I mean, it kept teams alive for most of the season, and you know, now we're like I said, now we're down to really just two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, to two or three really uh, teams with outside. a legitimate. Yeah, like like maybe one team with a legitimate, um, and then maybe like two or three total that that are hoping and praying that they can win matchups this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just a really weird place for the NFL currently. Yeah, because they said entering this week we had like twenty five teams still alive, which was tied for the fourth most uh, teams alive with three weeks left in the season. So, and again that. You know, that point, that's because of the fact that so many teams were hovering around 500. You know, a lot of teams that were like some like six and six, six and seven, or you know, like six and seven, five and eight, something like that. Um, and of course, you know, when you had teams that were like, you know, five and eight and still alive for a division title, you know, that, that kind of helps too. But yeah, so. A lot of top-heavy teams, and then a lot of uh, mediocrity in the uh, in the middle of the league. But uh, we'll see how it plays out. You know, it's again hard to believe it's week 16 already. You know, we're having the final Thursday game of the season, the final Saturday game, the final Monday game. You know, because of course week 17 is all on Sunday, and I think we'll end it on this topic too. Because so many of the, so much of the playoff picture is seemingly in focus and almost set, what the heck is the NFL going to do week 17 as far as what game is going to get flexed into the Sunday night game? You know, because there's, you know, we kind of talked about it before, like there's, it feels pretty anticlimactic going into the final week. So it's like, what do they do? Do they flex Minnesota Green Bay in because it's for the division title, even though, you know, both teams are going to be in the playoffs and they're likely going to play each other the next week in the playoffs anyway. Um, You know, do they go with, say, Philly Eagles-Giants if Philly beats Washington on Saturday, even though the Giants will likely be eliminated by then? I will say, I do believe I saw... um that the, the Eagles can't do it because they've been in too many primetime games this that's year. That's true. Yeah, that's right. The Eagles yeah. have maxed out their primetime. So there you go. that's another reason. So it's like, how, you know, where – what does the NFL do? Yeah, it's really weird. Really going to be an interesting decision. I, I You know, for, for week 17, I, I hope that they go Packers, Vikings. But, I mean, it really depends on, on the outcome this week. And, yeah. Uh, you know, we again, if, if there's chaos this weekend – then all of a sudden, you know, week 17 could be really fun. It's possible, yeah. But, yeah, I think right now the best bet is Minnesota-Green Bay. I don't think those teams have maxed out their primetime appearances. I mean, you know, the team we'd be looking at is probably Green Bay because I'm pretty sure we have – well, well, the Vikings were the Monday night game week one, and then now they're going to be the Sunday night game, and they've played the Thursday night game, but – I think that was it for them. I think they only have the three primetime games so far. So, I, but then I'm and I'm not sure where Green Bay is. So they they might go with um 
with that one because again a lot of you know or hell they they may put Carolina in there unless Carolina's maxed out their primetime appearances they they may say well Carolina we'll just put them in there because they're going for 16 and 0 and that actually be fun yeah actually I, I'd actually think that'd be a kind of a cool thing to do see Jameis Winston in primetime I'm always down mm-hmm. for that yeah it'd, it'd be nice too to you know give the national audience a little little bit of exposure to Winston and then you know again the whole storyline of Carolina likely going for uh for 16 and 0 so yeah we'll see you know either one of those games or they're just going to end up putting a bad team in prime time against the playoff team I don't know you know Monday this week is going to be very interesting and then come Monday you know we'll find out what game they go with and how they set up the schedule because of course they like to set up the schedule you know to try to create as much drama as possible you know to get the players playing as much as possible but again with how anticlimactic week 17 is shaping up to be you know it's going to be really interesting to see what they do as far as uh, setting up the schedule so with that any final thoughts ian um not really i'm i'm hoping that we get week 17 to be entertaining so i'm kind of hoping for a little bit of chaos this weekend um i don't i don't want to just be watching games for draft position uh week 17 but um you know hey playoffs are almost here and uh i just hope we get good matchups yeah it's it's hard to believe it this time next week we'll be talking uh the final week of the regular season and start prepping for the playoffs it's really uh really hard to believe Ian, Merry Christmas, my friend. It was, it's always fun talking with you, my friend. Yep, Merry Christmas to you, and uh, hope your family has a wonderful weekend. And we'll uh, we'll touch base again here before the new year. Absolutely. Um, and of and by the time we meet up next week, I'll be twenty five. Yay! <laughs> my birthday is actually this Friday. Well, uh, happy early birthday, and I'm I'm sure I'll be wishing you that again here. Uh, so if you're listening at home here on Thursday or Friday, mark it on your calendars. (laughs) Thanks, bud. And, of course, to all the listeners, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all of you guys as well. Uh, Enjoy the football this week. Enjoy spending time with your families and whatever traditions you do on Christmas. And hopefully Santa is good to you on on Friday morning. (laughs) Um, So until next time, for my buddy Ian Wharton, I am Bill Rossetti. Thanks so much for listening as always, guys, and we'll see you next time right here on the Gridiron Graduates. Take care and Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays.